next Sunday, we are going to be starting another series um, titled Ben There. And we're looking at all sorts of different experiences that Jesus went through. Because most of the things that we experience in life, Jesus actually understands that because he's been there. Things like people trying to control him, suffering rejection, pain, all sorts of different things. So over about the next six or seven weeks, we're going to be looking at various topics in our next series. Today, we are concluding our current series called Dangerous Prayers. We've looked at a bunch of those prayers over the last five or six weeks. And I want to start out with the statement that we are story people. Story people. I heard a yep. Why would you say yep? We all got them. Yeah, we all got stories and we enjoy stories. When you think of some of the stories that you enjoy the most, maybe it's from a book, maybe it's a movie, maybe it's a series of stories in a podcast that you listen to, there are lots of and lots of interesting stories, compelling reasons why, I mean, there's no other reason that people would pick up a book that's five or 600 pages and read the whole thing cover to cover unless it was a compelling story. So the question I have to start us off this morning is what are some of the factors or elements that you think go into making a good story? What makes a good story? A twist. A twist. A good problem with a, with a creative solution. A good problem with a creative solution. Characters. Hmm? Characters. Characters, yeah. Multi-dimensional characters, interesting people, yeah. Things that change. So, however someone starts, is that where they end up? Yeah. What else? What makes a good story? What would be something that would draw you to, say, a movie? A story told through a movie form? Connection to the characters. Yeah. Maybe like a shared experience or, you know, you can empathize with certain characters more than others. Whether they're a good character or not. Yeah. So there's all sorts of different factors that go into making up stories because ultimately we are story people. In this series that we've been looking at, Dangerous Prayers, we've looked at a whole bunch of short prayers that when prayed, I've said they're dangerous because God will answer them. See, sometimes we pray and we're not particularly expectant. Or if we really thought about, what if God answered every prayer that I actually prayed? Hmm. Now that could be a good thing, or it could also be a very scary thing as well. God will answer them. And then when you respond to whatever God says, however God is answering those prayers, it will end up shaping your own story. Because as someone said over here, we all have a story. Whether you think your story is interesting or not, I promise you it is, especially in God's eyes. When we pray, we influence the story that God is writing in us. 
the story of how God is at work in and through our lives. Now when we pray, it's not just about us talking to God, as we've said. Prayer is also, a large part of it at least, should be about being quiet. Or a phrase that I wasn't allowed to say as a, as a kid, shutting up before the Lord. And allowing the Lord to speak to us in that moment. When we do, God will begin to change you. Maybe in very small ways and maybe in more dramatic and significant ways. Especially in how you respond to what God has said. When we respond in obedience, it leads us closer to God. And we are able to respond and react in our world in ways that perhaps we weren't before. Maybe you are called to be bold in some new way. Or more attentive to God's voice in your life. Maybe you are better able to receive the correction of God. And often we become more open to the leading of God's Spirit. Today we conclude with a final prayer from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. It's not exactly the same kind of prayer that we've been looking at over these last weeks, but I came across this prayer, and if I was to summarize it in the similar fashion that we've done with our previous five prayers, I would say it like this. The prayer is, Grant me, O Lord. Or you could substitute the word grant for give. Give me, O Lord. Now it's prayed in a particular tone that's not like demanding this of God, but asking for God to grant you something. Not whatever you want. We're going to read that prayer in just a minute. This is a short prayer of thanks that the Apostle Paul offers to the group of believers in Ephesus. The small church that was going there. And in this prayer, he actually asks God on their behalf for wisdom and power. Now, this prayer is actually easier to pray for someone else. It's easier to pray this on behalf of someone. It becomes a dangerous prayer when we begin to pray this for ourselves. Because when you pray for God's wisdom and power, you have just undertaken a big responsibility. If God grants you his wisdom and power, it is not just for your personal edification. It is for you to be a blessing to the world. Power and wisdom are very seductive because they can corrupt us very quickly. You get a little bit of power, Who's ever been in a job where someone is on a power trip? You get a little bit of power and suddenly you want more. And in this case, we begin to forget that it's actually God's wisdom and God's power. When we receive insight from the Lord, we can be tempted to misuse it for our own personal gain. This is why it's a dangerous prayer. But this is also where the idea of our story connects with this prayer. Because what you do with whatever God grants you, wisdom, power, perhaps fill in the blank with something else, that will determine the next chapter of your story. What you do with what God gives you is writing the next chapter of your story.
In truth, and I know this for myself, and you may recognize yourself in this as well, we are a mixed bag of experiences. We are not completely selfish, and we're not completely selfless. I tend to be somewhere in the middle. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing a better job than at other times. And that combination of obedience and disobedience is what actually makes our stories resonate and connect with other people. I've said before that the areas sometimes where we have encountered the most pain in our lives can become the most effective areas of ministry for us to serve God. Because you have a certain story, and if you have experienced pain in any kind, you actually have a greater authenticity than maybe someone else who hasn't experienced that. People that have gone through various experiences in their life, you might be more willing to listen to them because you empathize with them. Let me read this prayer in a little more detail. It starts in verse 16, Ephesians 1. And this is what it says. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that, that's Paul's little clue word, so that, so pay attention whenever he says that, so that you might grow in the knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. And I'll stop there. At first glance, this doesn't seem like a very dangerous prayer. But when we unpack it a little bit, we realize that this prayer is asking God to grant or give his spiritual wisdom and insight. Why? So that we would grow in knowledge of God. You know, when you grow in knowledge of God, there's less places that you can hide. That's why it's dangerous. It's a prayer that asks to open our hearts to the light of truth so that we can understand the hope God has given to you. And it's a prayer that asks to give you an appropriate understanding of God's power. The same power that defeated sin, overcame death, and the enemy broke every chain that keeps you bound and grants you actual freedom as a human being. Spiritual wisdom, the light of truth, and an understanding of God's amazing power. Here's the importance of this prayer for us. When you ask God to grant you his wisdom and power, he will answer you, and he will help you to develop a resilient faith that is not only capable, but courageous enough to pray these other dangerous prayers that we've looked at. See, when God 
gives you insight into who he is. And he opens your heart to the light of truth. And you begin to grow in understanding. You actually find that these prayers are not as dangerous as maybe you first thought. That these are prayers that can open you up to what God wants to do in and through you. The next chapter of your story. As we look back at the five prayers, think about which one has challenged you the most. I have them on the screen. Make me bold, that was five weeks ago. Speak to me, break my heart, search me, or send me. Maybe you even want to write the one that you're having the most trouble with somewhere on your bulletin. I put a couple of questions on the back. With the prayer that you find the most challenging right now, what is it that God wants you to know or understand about this particular prayer? What is he trying to teach you through this prayer? I can't answer that for you. The person next to you cannot answer that for you, although they might want to. And they might even know an, an answer. But even more importantly, how is the Holy Spirit moving you to respond? If you pray, search me, and God reveals something in you, how is the Spirit prompting you to respond? Everyone who responds to the love and leading of God in some way has a story of the difference that it has made in their life. I've told you some aspects of my story through the years, and some of you have told me aspects of your story. And even if we haven't heard the full story, or we don't have time to hear the full story, all of us have littler experiences as well that we can learn to share with those around us. We might call this part of your testimony, which I know is a word that is daunting for some of you and downright scary for many. Yet if you have said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you already have a salvation story or testimony, but you also have many other stories, big and small, the high points of your life, the low points of your life, that make up this journey of faith that you're on. You might not be called to share your entire story with someone else, but you might be able to connect that one smaller bit of your story that makes that connection with one other person. Maybe you're called just to share a particular chapter of your life and how God has been at work in you and through your life. As you think about these different kinds of dangerous prayers and maybe even some of the other prayers that you have prayed through the years, how did God empower you to listen and then act in response? If you prayed something like, I want to know you, Lord, how has God empowered you to actually know him more or in a deeper way? If you have asked God to break your heart, how has he broken your heart? Were you able to obey successfully? Or did it take a few attempts 
I know for me that's been true of several times. But even if you recognize your response now as, man, I was, I was not very obedient to the Lord in that, or it was a very painful process, God can still teach you through that experience. So what have you learned through the pain that you have experienced or caused? Now I'm asking some of these reflective questions, not so that we have a few moments of nostalgia or uh, remembrance just for the sake of remembering, but that it would lead us to one of the most important responses. Because when you have the hope and love of Christ within you, it will show up guaranteed in ways that cause people in this world to take notice. When you walk with a joy that is atypical, people notice. When you spend Sunday morning saying, sorry, I can't do that, I'm here, people take notice. When you meet someone and they notice something in you and they say, man, there's just something different about you, people do take notice, whether you're aware of it or not. 1 Peter 3.15 is one of those key verses that all of us should have memorized. It says, if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But, this is the key, do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. That second part is one of the top things that the church in America gets wrong. It uses sharing your story as a weapon or a bat that you hammer someone over the head with. Keep your conscience clear. In order to be ready, as the word calls us to, I, I actually think of the Boy Scout motto, which is be prepared. Preparation is what helps us to be in a state of readiness. See, one of the reasons we're not ready to do this is because we, we are not prepared. We haven't actually practiced this. So when it comes to the moment where someone says, What's going on with you? You just seem so up right now. Now, for those of you that are not normally up, that might be weird. But that can happen. And if we're not prepared, then we actually don't know what to say. And in the moment, we can freeze. I remember when I was younger, and I was actually at a Boy Scout camp, and I froze because I was embarrassed. See, I didn't really know that God loved me at that point. I knew in my head, but my heart hadn't quite made the connection. And so when one, one of my fellow scouts asked me a question, I panicked. Oh, if I could go back and do that again. It's one of the great regrets of my life. When we pray humbly these types of prayers, and God answers them for his glory, you will have an important story to tell. Telling your story actually helps you become prepared to share inappropriate ways of the hope that resides and lives within you. Ask God for help to get you prepared. Don't be like the story we looked at last week, the servant who, after receiving that money from his master, out of fear he hid it instead of multiplying it or investing it. 
Instead, invest what God has done already in you and wants to do through you by looking for opportunities to share your story. See, when you share your story of what God has done in your life, even if it's in a small way, you're actually sharing God's story. You don't have to be the person that, quote, brings somebody across the finish line. Just know that you are playing a part in spreading the good news. This is where wisdom comes into play. Because not every person and not every moment is the right time to share every single aspect. This is where you need wisdom and discernment. But that's why we have a variety of stories, sometimes even short ones. Because when you pray for the Spirit to help prepare you, the Spirit will give you the words to say in that moment. The Spirit will help you. Now, we struggle often with this. This is an area where actually the business world and especially sales have almost got this down to a science. You know, you go into a place and you're almost assaulted right away with a sales pitch. That's because it's taught and practiced and they teach people, they teach the salespeople how to listen so that they can actually tailor the pitch to get you more likely to continue listen, listening and maybe even to buy something. In the business world, um, some of you have used this before. They have the 90 second elevator speech. You know, you run into somebody on the elevator and you've got 90 seconds to make your pitch. Or you've got that three to five minute conversation with someone as you're walking the same direction or you're standing in line. And eventually that might even lead to the one hour coffee or lunch with someone. If you were to apply those same kinds of ideas to sharing your story of God's work in your life, it would also take different forms. Not everybody needs the fire and brimstone, beat them over the head with the Bible kind of talk. In fact, I found that that isn't very effective for most people, at least for an initial conversation. If you've never shared any aspect of your story before, or if you're scared to do so, try consolidating what God has done in your life. Start with 90 seconds. In 90 seconds, what has God done in your life? And maybe once you're comfortable with 90 seconds, how would you take that and expand that into three to five minutes? Or if that's too much, two minutes. Or if that's too much, 92 seconds. You don't need to have every answer. But we are invited and called by the Word of God to share the reason for the hope that we have when the opportunity arises. When you share your story, whether bits or the whole thing, it actually can be healing and empowering for both you and for the person who is listening. When we put voice to God's work in our life, other fears and doubts and anxieties that we have, even if they are still there, we suddenly realize that their power can be lessened over us. Why? Because the power of God that frees you is greater and wider and farther and stronger than any of those other fears if we allow it to take hold of us. Some of you are thinking right now, I'm not really anyone special. Will my story actually make a difference? Or can it make a difference? 
As 1 Peter says, when we learn to tell the story of what God has done in our life with gentleness and respect, you actually are honoring Christ when you do that. But just like in a car dealership, not everybody is ready to buy right away. Some people are just window shopping, or they just want a little taste before they commit, or they're not sure. That's where praying for God's wisdom and power is so important. Because we don't always trust our own instincts in this. We need to trust the instincts of God. You will be given insight to know what is appropriate to share. And even more important than what you share, how you share. You might have the most amazing story that speaks God's truth. But if you do it in a weird or rude or inappropriate way, that's like gospel repellent. Sometimes you can learn a lot about how open somebody is to hearing your story just by looking or being more observant and asking them a question to start. You notice a friend that's not feeling well or just seems down, and you start out by saying, how are you doing? You seem down right now. What's, what's going on? And maybe that opens the door for you. I don't know. It could be something like that, or it could be a little bit different. You'll often find in those conversations that elements of your story will match up with something that connects with them. And I know that for some of you, sharing a part of your story is scary. Well, I've got news for you. Just about everything in life is scary if we've never practiced it before. How did you do the first time you jumped behind the wheel of a car? Or the first time, if you're scared to talk on the phone, that you actually picked up the phone. Who does that anymore? I don't know about you, but practicing in front of a mirror, the first time I was uh, given the task of, of preparing a message, I practiced in front of a mirror several times. And I was so nervous. And this was to a friendly audience as well. Somehow, through the power of God, I was able to get through it. And the way I got through it was I told a few elements of my story. Because I know my story, just like you know your story. If you don't have a mirror at home, then maybe you have a dog or a cat or a favorite plant that you can practice. I challenge you, if you've never thought about how would you explain the hope that you have to take 90 seconds in front of your rose bush, in front of your dog, in front of that cat that you have roaming around outside, Tell them, what is the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ? The more times you actually think about that, when the moment comes and the opportunity arises, you will know exactly what to say in that particular moment. Practice, practice, practice. Some of you are still thinking, can my story really make a difference? After Jesus was crucified on the cross, one of his closest followers was so afraid. This was a follower who had no trouble speaking. In fact, he often opened his mouth and put his foot right into it. He would speak brashly and sometimes without thinking. And in the moment when someone said, do you know Jesus? I think you've been with him. He says, I don't know him. I wasn't with him. And he denies him three times. 
in the moment. He wasn't prepared in the moment, and he panicked in a publicly embarrassing way. And Peter's story is a story of an ordinary, unschooled guy who is prone to putting his foot in his mouth regularly, and yet even his worst failure after Jesus died didn't disqualify him. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, he came to Peter and he said, I welcome you back in. I've got work for you to do. Acts 2.41 describes what happened after that moment. With wisdom and power, it says, those who received his word, that is Peter's, were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Within a matter of weeks, he goes from denying Christ to saying, I still have work for you, but don't forget this pain that you've caused. And now I want you to spread your story and the good news. Obviously, this is a dramatic example and a powerful result. But sharing the impact of the good news in your life can take a lot of different forms as well. God is less interested in the number than in the faithfulness with which you respond to what he calls you to do. Though we may feel that our stories are too small or too bad or too insignificant to make a difference, whenever you share the hope that you have within you, you honor Christ and you make a difference in this world for his sake. No matter what happens after that, you can always say, I was faithful in that moment. That's what I wish I had known when I was younger. Think about the people you already know who don't yet know the good news of Jesus Christ or haven't yet responded to it. Commit to praying for them. I know many of you already do. Recommit to praying for them and to pray that God would give you the opportunity at the right time. It may not even be you. It might be someone else in their life that is able to connect with them better than you are. When it comes to those family members that you've been praying for, it might be somebody else that's better able to connect to them than you. Just like we can hear things, but sometimes we need to hear from our doctor. Like my doctor's appointment on Thursday. He showed me the printout and it made sense for the first time in ways that even though I'm married to a doctor, I'll stop there. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. Too late. <laughs> If it is to be, then the Holy Spirit will always prompt you at the right time. Let me end with this verse from Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Friends, when you remember what God has already done in your life, it will motivate you to continue to call upon him in prayer and to lead you to respond in the particular ways that he is calling you to. Keep praying those dangerous prayers. Listen well to how God speaks to you and then respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. For God has given you an enduring hope and will grant you his wisdom and power 
to carry out his work in the world. I promise you that. Church, let's pray. There is power in the name of Jesus. And God, we pray this morning that you would grant us your spiritual wisdom and insight so that we can make a difference in this world for your sake. We all have people on our minds and hearts. Will you give us the courage to look for those opportunities and to respond as your spirit leads? If we are not ready, will you help us to be prepared to get ready so that we don't panic in the moment. God, I thank you that we are more than our worst mistake. I'm thankful for the way that you reinstituted your servant, Peter, that after he did some of the worst possible things, denying he even knew you, you still welcomed him back and gave him significant work to do. God, I pray for each person here today that you would continue to reveal what is the work that you would have them to do. Who are the people in their life that you keep on bringing around, that you call us, that you call them specifically to be your hands and feet and heart in this world? God, thank you. We thank you that you love us that even when we screw up, you don't give up on us. Help us to tell our story well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now that you have seen the presence of the Lord and felt that presence, receive this charge. Go forth into the world in peace. Be courageous. Hold fast to what is good. Do not return evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted, guard the dignity of all people, love and serve the Lord, and rejoice in the power of the Holy Spirit. May God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen and amen. Church, I pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week.